Hello, and welcome to Over My Head, a look back at Pop's past, presented to you by Los Lovely Boys. And yes, I am a Los Lovely Boy, but I'm not the Los Lovely Boy who usually does the introductions. You're probably wondering at home, where the hell is Anthony? I have good news. Anthony's here. Say hi, Anthony. Hello, I'm here. And we just wanted to switch things up because we can. Um, we're all versatile folks, so I'm hosting. Anthony's doing the history, and I'll do a bit of the lyrics. Uh, Chris, he stays in his lane, though. He, not, that's not to I say do. he's versatile, but he's just damn good at what yeah, he I'm does. Not, so. I'm not versatile either. That's, that's, that does, that's not mutually exclusive. Well, there you have it. So I'm the host. Deal with it. And I want to let you know, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Um, reviews on Apple Music, there's an algorithm. It helps us uh, get up in the charts, gives more visibility. So please do that. And um, if you subscribe, you'll get these episodes weekly as they drop. And speaking of Chris, uh, the music for our podcast is provided by the artist Friend of Yours. That's one word, all lowercase, Friend of Yours. Go check him out. This is a podcast where we dissect all things pop from the recent past. And today, what are we covering? Today, we are hoping to answer the question, why did the song Complicated by Avril Lavigne pop? This is episode 17, 17, almost four months of our show. And boys, it's been a complicated time period, but I'm glad we can go back to 2002 and forget about this four months of corona we've been into. Yes, absolutely. This was a simpler time filled with uh, teenagers in malls and skater boys and and such. Yeah, it's been, like you said, about four months of this, which you said off air that we started this right when Corona was hitting its like, you know, full stride kind of. So it's been interesting that we've hit episode 17 with a week off in there too. So it's been kind of crazy and it has been a complicated time. So we covered, you know, Kiss Me Through the Phone, uh, which was very Corona time song but i feel like complicated could be maybe a song for corona times as well absolutely it's it's an anthem you know it it, we'll get into that within the history the lyrics um maybe a bit of the production about how this song is pretty applicable to um anywhere any point where you are in life um so yes it was complicated in 2002 i'd have to say it's much more complicated in 2020 in ways people in 2002 could not imagine but we'll take a step back and dive back to where we were going to. So um, instead of talking about the past, I want to talk about what came out yesterday or Thursday. Um, what new music have you guys been listening to? Yes. Yeah, hmm. so I haven't listened to it actually yet, but I know that Beyonce um, had the thing on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we've talked about Disney+, Plus in the past, and stuff uh, too, but um, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but it was basically like a visual album that she had come out. Which Black is, is King. Yes, and it is very on brand with anything that you know, Beyonce would do too regarding, you know, visual albums or anything too. So I haven't gotten a chance to mm-hmm. look at it. Um, I know that I haven't been the biggest fan of Beyonce in the past in general, but I'll probably end up checking out at some point just because of everything that's going on now in our country and everything too. I think it's important to at least be tuned into stuff like that. So that's going to be on my list to check out with stuff. Um, other than that, I haven't been listening to a lot of new stuff. Actually, um, Chris told me to tune into the Lala live stream last night. I actually didn't. Um, once we get off of this, I probably will tune in for a hot sec and maybe tomorrow as well too. Yeah, but Outcast is on tonight. Yeah, they are on tonight. Outcast is, and it's pretty cool because 
I went to, you know, four and a half basically straight years of Lala. So kind of reliving those things would be really cool too. So not a lot of new stuff, but trying to relive the past, which is what we do every week on this podcast, I feel too. So kind of <laughs> thinking of simpler times. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, so I I would love to watch Black is King, but I do not have a Disney Plus login. You can just use um, my login, may, man. I'll give it to you. I was going to say, I may, uh, I may mooch um, legally, of course. But what, uh, what else have I been listening to? Well, mostly the same sort of deal as you. Uh, living in the past. Specifically, I've been living in last week. Um, which is when the Tomorrowland uh, live stream was. Um, the, so they do like a relive platform. Um, basically, it's actually pretty well designed. It, ba- it, I mean, it basically just lets you on demand for two weeks. You can go back and watch uh, whatever sets we're playing at the same time as, you know, something that you were previously watching uh, live. So, you know, that's that gave me the opportunity to catch Amelie Lens and... Um, and rewind back to Armin Van Buren and see the rest of Tiesto's Ver West set. Um, just, you know, good jams that way. Um, I've also been watching the Lollapalooza live stream. Uh, G. Jones and Eprom did an amazing AV set last night. Uh, it definitely, I, I love everything those guys both put out, and this is probably my favorite of their quarantine sets. Um, this is now number five, I want to say, and those dudes do not, uh, they, they do not know how to phone anything in. Um, and, uh, oh, and then, um, Elohim, Elohim, I don't know how you pronounce her name, but she was, um, so I turned, I tuned in a little bit earlier to watch Alice in Wonderland, who also had a great set. Um, but, uh, Elohim, Elohim, I don't know, it's E-L-O-H-I-M, um, she killed it. I was very, very impressed. She's kind of like, um, like kind of electronic pop, but leaning more industrial. Um, she has a song that's pretty, that's pretty wonderful. Like if Icona pop did trap, um, and then like there just a number of other really interesting songs. Um, yeah, she was definitely the surprise. Like, okay, I got to check this person out. Um, of the of the night on Lala, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they've got for me tonight. Yeah, and you just got a DJ controller in too, Chris. So you've been even looking at different <laughs> type of uh, songs that have been you know coming up on your radar. I bet too. Yeah, I mean, mostly, honestly, like a lot of. Um, so I, a lot of that has been um, basically just upgrading my iPad DJ playlist and allowing me to actually do it correctly. Um, so, uh, Goucher Lust Work, uh, Jacques Green, Caribou, Fortet, just a lot of the, a lot of my old favorites, just mashing them together very loudly and bothering everybody else around me. <laughs> well, well, your dad, uh, yeah, we were FaceTiming before this episode and he comes He's down a... and he says, I, I feel like I'm telling a 16 year old Chris to quiet that music down, but Hey, that's a good thing if <laughs> is. live I... music is being played. I mean, I'm just grateful to have to be near my parents right now. I'm um, I'm actually at my parents' house with my grandmother as well, kind of having a big family quarantine. <laughs> um, and, way to do it. Yeah. And so um, 
so it's you know i i i i kind of missed being the loud um the loud 16 year old in a basement except i'm 26 now so it's not quite the same <laughs> but hey you're you're still giving the gift of music even if people don't necessarily you know um understand the genre you're exposing it to them and that's always good and what you yeah. touched on before that with uh you know the music you've been listening to Folks, you can still listen to live music. It's still out there. You, um, and please oh, yeah. support these artists. Like um, You can pay to hear live music. It's scarce. It's more scarce than it used to be, but it's available. Maybe not in concert form, but they bring it to you in pretty innovative ways. So check that yeah. out. I'm actually really excited on that same note. So um, Tomorrowland, the one that I was talking about, is pretty much entirely electronic, house music. Like, you know, it, it, obviously it's not everyone's cup of tea, but what um it was a really good precedent for live streaming music and being able to actually fund their artists so mm-hmm. tomorrowland is known for 500 dollars tickets that sell out in 10 minutes um, sometimes sooner you know, actually one year yeah. it was like literally like nine yeah. seconds and i was like oh okay how do you even do that yeah no i mean like they're well known and this year they sold over 20 dollars, and they ended up selling a couple million tickets um, and I read an article, the way that they did it was, um, was not only the booking fee and not only the same kind of, uh, revenue share cut that they, they, you know, festivals usually pay artists. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, this is kind of taking advantage. Obviously you can't do this normally. You can't count how many people are in a crowd, but they gave you, um, they gave another, um, kind of bonus based on the amount of people that tuned into your set. So there so there's still residuals they're still doing the yep. um the relive i mean each of these artists you know they're a lot of them are big names but some of them are you know smaller like relatively touring level um this is i mean this is a really good precedent it was a really well put together program they're um they were expecting to break even and they've definitely made a profit um i that's great I, that that makes me excited to see that in other genres yeah, definitely a sustainable program. Um, my math uh, calculates that $20 on a normally $500 ticket is a great deal. Indeed. So um, you keep seeking those deals out. Um, there will be kind of these live festivals that normally take place uh, that you can stream into. Like Chris said, the model has proven to be sustainable. Yeah. Um, outside of the streaming world um, for you know tuning into live concerts, there was a bit of music that was released last week. Um that I listened to briefly. One was My Future by Billie Eilish. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. Very mature song. Like, Chris, what did you think of the music video? That was beautiful. Music video is great. It's like basically um, like spirited away Billie. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) That was was fantastic. And uh, she wrote it like it's a very personal song, but she said and when she released it, like it's very applicable to what everybody's going through now, thinking about um, their futures, no pun intended. Um, another kind of funny piece of new music that came out, um, old friend Akon released an album and, um, uh, yes, he did. And it has yeah. Rick Ross on it. I'm trying to find the name. Akon City. Um, yeah, Akon City. So if you buy this album, you're funding Akon City indirectly. It'll be a city in Senegal that, uh, you know, um, you can visit hopefully in the year 2030. Um, but the album is called Ain't No Peace. And uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but we've got a Rick Ross feature, Molly Music. So he's trying to give back to Africa. That's the common theme. That I wonder has. if it's like, notably political with that title. I think it is. Um, I think, yeah, that's kind of been the shift in the second part of his career. Um, let's be more 
political and um, philanthropic. So uh, give that a listen. Um, so now that we've talked about, you know, what's come out, what's happening in the music scene now that there's no live concerts, but live streams, uh, let's go back to, uh, 2002 and we're going to play a few tunes about complicated that might take you back to that vibe. Uh, but as you know, for legal reasons, we can't play the actual song. We'll do our best, but here's a little ditty that might remind you of that. And then on the other side, we will get back to you with our memories the history, the backstory, how did Avril Lavigne get to this point where she's a pop icon, uh, the production breakdown, what makes complicated, complicated or not so complicated, and then, of course, the lyrics. So, uh, yeah, listen to these tunes that a friend of yours makes himself, and we'll be back on the other side. So welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that little ditty. Um, boys, what do you remember about this song? We were pretty young, but um, I think we were definitely able to hear the song and appreciate what it was about. Oh, yeah, I remember this song. This was <laughs> this was huge. Um, this was definitely uh, on. I mean, uh, like as much as I hate to admit, sometimes Radio Disney was obviously one of the biggest like cultural thing cultural connection points for folks our age uh when we were kids and uh this was huge on there it was on normal radio as well i remember hearing it on the mix um in chicago 1019 uh, yep 1019 and uh i don't um i i don't know that it was on any now cds but it was big enough that it was kind of ubiquitous in its mm. own right um yeah, it's one of those songs where you hear the you hear the opening and you you could just go on and sing every single line whether or not you want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I when you said Radio Disney, that was the first thing that I thought of actually was Radio Disney and it makes sense because that's what we would have listened to and maybe it is one of those mama proof songs. Um oh, yeah, it probably sure. is a little bit more, you know, underlying with things that are going on but Avril Lavigne was I'll kind of get into this she was she was fairly young so you know mm -hmm. talking about this we were like maybe this is us or it will be us in a few years too but um yeah this is kind of first taste of Avril Lavigne and she just kind of knocked out of the park and it really was telling of what her first album would be in general but she did a, a great job with this song and you know I was kind of looking up some stuff about it and someone was saying like you know, when I was 10, we would have been eight, you know, at this time about, but when I was 10, I loved this album. And when it was, when I'm 24, I still love this album too, for what it is. So I think she was in her lane definitely. And it was one of those great first singles that you could get from any artist, maybe too, at the, at whatever point they were in their life, even with her being around 17 years old. Yeah. Great point. I think, uh, it's very universal, um, the fact that this was kind of a post grunge look like the music video, we'll touch on that, but, um, like this is kind of like the last of gen X hanging out in malls and that aesthetic has kind of come back in gen Z with the, uh, the punk look, the, the weird aesthetic that Avril embraced. She was really land breaking in that, uh, regard. Uh, she was the first to do it. She might have been Billie Eilish before Billie Eilish was Billie Eilish. 
Great. Yes, great comparison, which I was, you know, stumbling around. But that is perfect. Basically, Billie Eilish, like the sad girl, but kind of rebellious, like going against the grain in terms of a female pop star, especially for that period. He had Britney, he had Christina. Here's Avril, who's not trying to be either of those things, uh, but still having a really successful song. Um, and then the other thing I remember is my sister had this physical CD. She was even younger than I was, but we've talked a lot about the digital era um, on this podcast. This was before that. So um, this is one of those, like maybe the last true CDs I remember just plugging into a physical CD player and playing it a lot uh, due to my sister having that. So yeah, we have uh, quite a bit of memories, quite a bit of takes. We'll see how that ends up after we do all three of our segments. But I wanted to kick it off to Anthony, who is uh, providing a little bit of the backstory about how Avril Lavigne became the Avril Lavigne that we know today. Yeah, and Avril Lavigne has, she had quite the hot start, which I'll kind of get to uh, as well too. But before we get to her debut album, which this was on her debut album. So we're going to try to lead up to everything before this. And there won't be a lot to talk about afterwards in that way. But let's start from the beginning. So she's born Avril Ramona Levine, and she is of Canadian descent. Um, So for those of you out there who didn't know, Avril Levine is Canadian. So uh, she is currently 35 years old at this point as well, too. So when this song came out, she would have been right around 17. So take that as you will with everything. But from a very early age, she was very musically inclined. Her mother actually recalls her singing gospel songs at the age of two in the car. So uh, at the age of two, that's pretty impressive. Uh, That kind of made me think of with uh, Ultra Light Beam, with the sample in the beginning of the vine of that little girl that's kind of singing, like, it's not gospel-y, but it's kind of like, you know, she's saying, yeah. like, you know, that type of stuff, too. So I was like, maybe that's a young Ever Levine, like, kind of singing those type of things. Uh, her family is very religiously inclined, very musically inclined, too. Um, they did go to church a lot. So she was singing gospel songs, basically, at the age of two in the car, coming back from church. So... At the age of two, she's singing already. Then you hit the age of five. And what happens? The family actually moves um, at the age of five. So they're still in Canada. They move to a town of about 5,000 people called Greater Napanee. And this is basically in Ontario. So it's a smaller town. They move. And after the move, she is said to have misbehaved a lot in class and was not doing so great in school. So I can imagine. Avril, come on. Well, I can imagine. Moving at the age of five, right? You are kind of in that weird area where you're going to kindergarten and whatnot. And you're like moving away from friends or anything. It's an interesting Mm -hmm. time. So she was misbehaving a lot, not doing great in school. And she already had this edginess that you can see even her music later on too as well, right? So you kind of like, you're like, oh, maybe this edginess is coming out from a young age. Um, but we'll get to more of that in a little bit. Um, her parents were very supportive of her singing and of her musical abilities. They actually bought her all the necessities that were needed to pursue any type of musical career. This includes stuff as drums, microphones, guitars, and they even made their basement into a recording studio, quote unquote, um, as well. Um, I don't know a lot of people that would turn their, you know, kids or the basement of their home into a recording studio for a child. So they really supported what she was doing and said maybe she's got something going on too. So with this, then she also played in a church band and played bass actually in the church band at the age of fourteen. 
She was also brought to karaoke sessions. So essentially they would have karaoke sessions in their basement in the recording studio where she would sing songs, all different types of songs. So maybe her own karaoke, do different types of songs too. Um, and they would record them. So they, she had very supportive parents at this age. And her dad was actually very musically inclined as well. Had a love for music. Was very involved in the church and in the band there too. So really nice to have that type of stuff you know, at an early age. So going out with these karaoke sessions, she actually gets to perform at state fairs across Canada. And I actually didn't know that state fairs existed. Outside. Do they have states? They have provinces. Yeah. So what the hell? So I mean, province fair. I'm going off of, of Wikipedia, but they call them state fairs at this point. So I didn't know that they had these type of fairs outside of America. It seems very American to do this. Um, pretty much. I know Minnesota has a great state fair um, as well too. One of the best in they in, do in, in, confirmed in the nation. Um, but. Basically, she goes to these state fairs and she would be kind of like if you've ever been to a state fair, you know, like those like acts during the days where they have like a kid or like, you know, like cover bands or anything like that. That is what Avril Lavigne did. So she ended up singing like covers of Garth Brooks songs, the Dixie Chicks, Shania Twain. And she actually would perform original songs, too. And her original first song was about a teenage crush. Sound familiar to the song Complicated, maybe as well, too? That's fair. That's fair. Teenage heartbreak. It, it always plays. Yes. Yeah, so it wasn't. It so this song wasn't complicated, of course, at this time. It wasn't the song, but she had this kind of things where she was a teenager. You're talking about teenage crushes, teenage heartbreak, anything like that um, as well, too. So speaking of Shania Twain, in 1999, actually, Avril Lavigne ends up winning a radio contest to perform with Shania Twain. In front of 20,000 people. So she's in a stadium tour basically with Shania Twain is going on. Shania Twain herself is Canadian. And that's a pretty cool moment, right? For, uh, you know, yeah, for whatever age she is and she gets to perform. I would probably shit myself uh, performing in 20,000 people. Um, you know, that's pretty insane. But she does get to perform with her. And Shania Twain herself says to her on stage that she will be, quote, a famous singer. Pretty big endorsement. From Shania Twain. Um, Shania Twain is, is a huge name. And she says, hey, you got the voice to make it big. And it kind of was a precursor in everything to everything that would happen. Especially at that time. You said it was 1999. Yep. Yeah, Shania Twain's right in her prime. Like, that's a huge endorsement. That's, yeah, I would shit my pants. And I can't imagine being, she was 16 when Complicated come out. Yeah. Came out. Uh, she's young. She's a young teen here. That's amazing. Yeah, so pretty crazy that she gets to do that. She wins a radio contest. Kind of fate at that point, I would think, right, that she gets to do that. She's already performing covers of Shania Twain on, you know, these state fair tours or whatever she's doing, too. So this actually leads to some of her first things that she'll do as a quote-unquote, like, professional at the time. So she actually will do some backup vocaling for a local folk singer. I didn't recognize who the person was, so I didn't really include the name on it. But they were on backup vocals in 1999 and a 2000 album for this person. So this will actually lead up to some other stuff. So she's had some gigs, of course, to this point, like so to speak. So you think of like her going to state fairs, doing all that. And she already performed in a stadium with a huge artist. But she hasn't had quite that big break yet, right? Well, that changes actually in December of 1999, where her first manager, Cliff Fabari, discovers her while she's singing country covers at a bookstore. So the bookstore seemed like a like 
kind of chain like it would be like a Borders, but like a Canada version. And she's singing country covers at them. So VHS tapes of her home karaoke performances were sent out by Cliff to industry prospects all around. And several executives actually even met with her after this as well, too. So people are saying like, hey, she is, you know, she has the voice. She has everything that you're kind of looking at for these different type of things. It's just a. It's surprising to me to this point, she's like, um, kind of like has a gospel background and is doing country. Right. And that is not the Avril we know, but it's I crazy. I was thinking that. Yeah, not at all, right? Like, you're like, oh, maybe. But like, if you have someone like as big as Shania Twain, that is, you know, maybe that's who she's listening to. And it's one of the bigger yeah. Canada stars. It's also at the a point. Canadian. Right. Yeah. Like, maybe that's really important to her. And she's like, hey, maybe this is the route I want to go. Um, I mean, I don't like country music now a lot, but I, I did listen to Garth Brooks back in the day, right? Like It was like some of those people that you would listen to, maybe your parents did, or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah, so basically, after that then, um, the co-founder of a Canadian management firm, Netawork, that's N-E-T-T-E-W-E-R-K, Netawork, um, received a copy of Avril's karaoke performances recorded in her parents' basements. Now, remember I said that. They record her karaoke session, so... I would imagine this is her, you know, singing her Shania Twain's, Garth Brooks, all this different type of things. And it was arranged for Levine to work with the producer Peter Zizzo during the summer of 2000 in New York. This is where she actually wrote the song Why, and Levine was noticed then by Arista Records during that trip to New York. So she's actually not quite signed yet, but she's working on that. So... This ends up leading... Rista's no joke. No, it is not. And I'll kind of get to that in a second uh, as well, too. So this leads to a 15-minute audition with Arista Records. And actually, the person that headlined or was the person in charge of this interview or this, you know, audition was Antonio L.A. Reed. Does that name sound familiar to you guys? Uh Uh-huh. Jeez. Yes. For those who don't know, but you got the L.A. Reid. Yes. So for those out there who don't know, L.A. Reid is a huge name uh, in the record industry. Um, worked with Epic, worked with Jeff Jam, worked with Rista at this time. So he's an A&R person. It ended up being that in the future, he actually ended up kind of getting me too essentially. He had some claims of sexual assault against him, things like that. But at this time, huge name, right? So she gets to audition for him and he listens and he says, We're immediately signing you right now. $1.25 million deal with an extra $900,000 as a publishing advance. So basically... at that time. So basically, 15 minutes, she walks out with over $2 million. Not bad, right? Right, yeah. I would take that in a heartbeat. We do more than 15 minutes of time, and we have not gotten paid close to $2 million or anything, actually, nope. uh, with that. So, If you're listening, we'll take $2 million yes. if you're offering. Anyone, yeah. we'll take that anyone out there wants to give us some money, we will definitely take that um, take it, yeah. as well, too. So, yeah, so she gets the interview with L.A. Reid or the audition. She gets walks out with $2 million. Now it's time to get recording, right? Well, first, before she even gets to recording, she is still in high school at this time, right? Oh, yeah, that thing that teenagers do. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, she's still got to go to school. She still has to do all this. No, no, you know, don't worry that she's performing Shania Twain or that she's getting all these, you know, record deals thrown at her. But she was basically at this time in high school and she naturally fit in with the skater click at her high school. And that was the image that she carried through her first album to the surprise of no one, right? Skater Boy was a second 
you know, single off this album. So kind of interesting that she fell into this clique that she fit in with at the time, right? So she fits in with this clique, but then she says, you know what, I got to actually go and make music. So she ends up dropping out of high school at this time. So she leaves high school entirely. She goes and works on her music career. And Netta Work then ends up choosing Avril's bandmates for her. They wanted young performers who were up and coming in the Canadian pop punk scene. So they actually chose her bandmates. So I think when a lot of the time when we talk about groups or anything, they get to choose who they work with, right? We even mentioned in the Top 10 Back Then episode that, you know, of course they're all brothers, but the Jonas Brothers all got to work together, right? They knew each other. But mm-hmm. Avril Lavigne, had, they had people chosen for her actually to work with her. So when you think of like pop punk, the Canadian pop punk that I looked up, there wasn't a lot of names that I remembered actually. So think of like the Ramones and Blondie type of sound. That's what they're kind of going for at this time. They weren't from the only Canada. The I can but, remember yeah. is MXPX. Yes, that was one of them. I think there was like the Skulls were another one that I like had heard too on there. Um, and there was a band called like DOA where, yeah, I don't know. It was. Oh, I, know, I remember DOA vaguely. Yes. They had like one minor hit. Yeah, so. The Canadian pop Canadian punk pop. sound like was a lot different than our pop punk sound. And, you know, like I said, like the Ramones, Blondie, you even think of like Green Day, All American Rejects, those type of groups, too. When you think of like mm-hmm. pop punk, uh, 30H3, even maybe a little bit too, to to a extent. So Avril Lavigne mm-hmm. drops out of high school. Some, not something everyone does, but. She's doing a lot of things that people aren't doing at her age as well either. So the first album then will be Let Go. So she's done a ton already, and she's only 15 when she gets signed. So she gets signed, drops out of school, and it's time to make her debut album. So there are complications at first, as it couldn't really find the right sound for her with production. So I think they were trying, probably if I had to guess, to be like, what are we going to make her? Like Stefan said earlier, you have Britney out right now. You have like Christina Aguilera. You have Punk. Like what do they want to do with Avril Lavigne? So they start doing some New York sessions and things don't really go well. They're like, I don't know. Things aren't really matching up. So then she goes from New York to Los Angeles. So she goes from one coast to the other. And then she actually gets teamed up with the production team called The Matrix. And they don't have a lot on their wikipedia page just as a group of the matrix but they are pretty you know big within production for a lot of different people chris will get into this as well um with the production but they basically find her sound so they find the sound which included two singles one of them being complicated so they said hey this is working let's keep working you're gonna keep working with the matrix they found her type of sound so they make complicated they make let go And she released it in June of 2002, and she reaches number two on the Billboard Top 200 Albums chart. This is her debut album, Um, and she's Canadian too, so to have that in the U.S. get to number two is pretty incredible. It also peaked at number one in Australia, Canada, and the U.K., and this actually made Avril Lavigne, at 17 years old, the youngest female solo artist to have a number one album on the U.K. Albums chart at that time. It's pretty incredible wow. when you think about that, right? Yeah, that's a global hit. And I'm glad Canada gave her love as uh, one of their own daughters. You know, it would have been weird <laughs> if Canada wasn't on that list. Yes, it would. So 
You have her going number one, Australia, Canada, and the UK, number two in the US. By the end of 2002, the album was certified four times platinum, and that would make her the best-selling female artist of 2002 and let go the top-selling debut of the entire year. That's amazing. Considering 2002, we had a lot of great female pop stars. Um, you know, we've mentioned Britney and Christina, but there were many more, and Avril was kind of breaking this sound. Like you mentioned, they didn't even have a sound for her going into recording the album so to come out with that distinction is the best-selling female uh artist of the year and she's 16 17 crazy yeah so they find her sound they go hey we're we're rolling with this and and it works so this lead single is complicated that's the song that we're covering today right it goes number two on the u.s billboard hot 100 charts but number one in australia so australia really loves her so number one album number one single with complicated too she has two other singles off of the album, Skater Boy and I'm With You, also goes in the top 10. So with that, guys, she becomes the second artist in history to have three top 10 songs from a debut album on the Billboard Top 40 mainstream chart. Now, the Top 40 mainstream chart was fairly new. It, it was about nine years old at this point, actually. Can you guys guess what the other artists would have been before her that got it. Was it Britney, Britney Spears. It was not Britney. Whoa. It was actually okay. Ace of Bass. A Swedish what? group. Ace of Bass. <laughs> Ace of Bass? Yep, was a the sign the, Ace you, of Bass? Yeah, the, the gods who created the sign, which was number one on my birthday in March 1994. Yep. The Swedish pop group. Great song. Yep, they were siblings. Oh, always been. And... Yeah, they were the other you know, group before this to actually get uh, three top 10 singles from a debut um, album. The next person after that to do it was someone that we covered, and it was Lady Gaga after this. So she went, um, okay. I can't remember the songs at the top of my head, but I looked and I was like, holy cow, that, that's pretty awesome. So it was Ace of Bass, Avril Lavigne, then Lady Gaga to have three top 10 so- singles off of one album. Now, I feel like now it could happen maybe a little bit more depending what you're, you know, coining as as a debut album, different things like you think a chance a rapper, he had two or three mixtapes come out, but then his debut album came out afterwards. He didn't have top 10 album. songs, but three top 10 songs, but you could look at things differently, but pretty impressive at this point that it was Ace of Bass and Avril Lavigne is the only two to do that. I, I think it's just funny Chris and I both instantly go Britney Spears. Yeah, and then, really. I had to dig a little bit know. and look. I was like, it's got to be Britney. It's got to be someone. I go, Ace of Bass. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, no shade to Ace of Bass. That's just unexpected. I can't name another song besides the sign. I'll be Fernando. Honest. Okay, there's, there's there's probably two. Number two. Oh, wait. Crazy. Wait, that might be ABBA. That is ABBA, but we'll let it slide. I can't, I can't, name, another, <laughs> I can't name another Ace of Bass song. I cannot either, but that's okay. So. Oh, no, don't, don't turn around. Don't turn around. It's the other song that um, that Alejandro sampled. Yes. So so you have these two that are sitting alone at this point, right? So pretty impressive. So other accolades for the album or single. Um, as of 2009, the album has sold 16 million worldwide. 16 million copies. That is a lot. Could have sold more since then. Streaming, who knows what it added in. And it was seven times platinum in the United States. It was nominated for eight Grammys that year. And Complicated was up for Song of the Year, but it lost to a song called Don't Know Why by Nora Jones. 
Amazing song. song. It is. It's a great song. So makes sense. It was up like with a Bruce Springsteen song, and there was a couple other. There were a couple other ones too on there, but yeah, pretty. I mean, like that's nothing to sneeze at with that song being up with that uh, for the year. So, especially your debut single, right? So crazy. Yeah, very crazy. So, like I said, this was her first album, it's her debut album. So I'm not going to dive into a lot after this. Uh, she did have five more albums. After this, too, um, we kind of talked about some of other Avril Lavigne songs, like with her, you know, doing Girlfriend and things like that, too. So she did stick around for a little bit longer. She did some movies. Over the Hedge was like her like movie that was like one of her big credits that she did uh, as well. Do you guys remember that movie? I think I saw that in theater. I do. Yes. Very rare. Had a huge cast. I think she was the possum. Yeah, and like Wanda Sykes is in there. It was, it was a big movie um, at the time. I remember yeah. watching it. Uh, Funny for what it is, right? So she was in that, did some of that type of stuff. Things that you would imagine, right, that a like pop star who's young and has her whole life ahead of her would do. Um, so other personal stuff, uh, we talked about this off the air. Uh, she married Chad Kroger, um, actually, as well, too. Uh, they're both Canadian. They were married for a very short time. I believe it was in 2013 to 2015. That might be actually be wrong dates. But they were married for a little bit of time, too. Um Everything as well. So not a lot going on. But there is actually a couple other things I want to talk about regarding Avril Lavigne, actually, guys. And one of them, we've touched on this in some other episodes, is that Avril Lavigne, actually, there's a conspiracy theory that she is a clone. And (laughs) you guys have heard about this, right? It's the original clone theory. Yes. Such a weird thing to have multiple of, but this is the original. Yes, and I'll kind of get to some of the like people that they think are clones or anything like that too. But for those of you out there who don't know, there's a conspiracy theory that there is a clone of Avril Lavigne. Basically, there is a theory that Avril Lavigne herself essentially died. So they don't know how she died if, if, with the conspiracy theory, everything like that too. There were rumblings of that her grandpa had passed away and that she took her own life or anything like that too but the theory itself and this is what i've just looked up online or anything um it claims that levine she struggled with fame at the beginning of her career so she is like we said she's very young she is you know hitting strides that not many other people have hit at this time it was actually said that she began using a body double named melissa and at this, at some point in time, the real Levine is said to have died. So the record company replaced her with Melissa full time. Now, of there is quote unquote proof of this that has included Levine's red carpet shots that she Levine herself would wear, like pants, trousers, stuff like this, and Melissa would wear dresses and skirts. And this supposed difference between the facial features of pre-2003 Levine and the current incarnation of what they think Melissa would be at this point or Levine right now. So theorists have also believed that Melissa has left clues in songs such as Slipped Away in which she sings, The day you slipped away was the day I found it won't be the same. That is so vague. It's very vague. That, is, <laughs> that could be anything. That could be a lover. That could be a family member. Yes, it's very vague. But the last part I thought was kind of interesting uh, with this part is that there was even a publicity shot in which Levine had the word Melissa written on her hand. Okay, that's a bit sketch. Right? That is a bit mm-hmm. sketch. I mean, okay, 
I'm going to be honest. I'm down for a good conspiracy theory once in a while, right? It, it's it's fun to read into it or anything like that. To, um, yeah. I stumbled down the rabbit hole a bit today. I didn't have anything to do. I'm like, let's look at some of this stuff. Uh, there are people on Reddit that also claim stuff such as her voice being higher pitched than it was before. They said, I don't remember puberty low, raising someone's voice. Um, also, things such as moles, birthmarks, etc. as well, too. Um, it is really it's some... It's like a lot of effort. It is. It, it, it is a lot of effort. It's some weird conspiracy shit, right? Um, that's going on. I, I, I'll always read into it, because why not? It's fun. It's you know one of those things. She's not the would not be the last artist to get this type of treatment. There's actually some big people that are on this list. Uh, one, one of the ones that comes to mind... Of course, it'd be Gucci Mane. Gucci Mane went to prison, lost a bunch of weight, comes back out. Everyone's like, who the fuck is this, right? You can't, you can't possibly have gotten that healthy. His teeth changed dramatically, too. I mean, you can get that done. There was a lot. Um, he, also has, that done. <laughs> <laughs> he also has lyrics <laughs> that says, people thought I was a clone because I speak proper, basically. He does sound very similar when he raps. I will say that, too. But he's been on the list, of course. Um, Paul McCartney's been on the list actually that he is a clone. Probably the OG dead. conspiracy. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, one of the big ones. Um, to and then actually even Taylor Swift has gotten comparisons to there being a clone. I don't think that any of those are clones. I don't think that Avril Lavigne is a clone as well too. But what do you guys think? Do you think that there could be even a shot in hell that she could be a body double or a clone or quote unquote whatever? I mean. I mean, people even said that about Kanye, you know, after he went to um, after he went to therapy or to the hospital. Um, I feel like it's it's such a weird trope, honestly, like honestly, like. Everything with Avril Lavigne, because I've definitely looked at this as well, I feel like can be explained by either aging, changing image or plastic surgery. And between what 17 and when she's supposed to have been you know melissa uh i think she's like 25 ish when girlfriend happens like a lot changes Mm -hmm. you know i wouldn't i i would i'm skeptical just because i feel like i feel like occam's razor is far less likely that she was killed or died and replaced then she just grew up <laughs> you know yeah. but that's kind of the killjoy answer you know i totally agree i mean uh she's been around almost 20 years you you see somebody grow up from 16 to almost 40 um their um features are going to change another thing is she's had lyme's disease um yeah. one of the side effects there is you get facial palsy it can kind of mess with you know, um, nerves in your face. Um, and that's a nasty disease. Justin Bieber actually has it. It does not go away. Um, and she's actually been a pretty big spokesperson for it. So that could be a thing. Yeah. Plastic surgery, as Chris mentioned, a lot of people will toy with that as they age and they come into the spotlight at a young, as a teenager in her case. Um, and then, yeah, the sound of her Music also changed, but that's nothing with being a clone. That's just trying to stay relevant. Think of what the hell that came out, I don't know, 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. Uh, Complete pop compared to what Complicated was. So, yeah, I I don't think it's a clone. I think it's just somebody changing. Yeah, I agree, too. It's fun. 
Um, I, I read something. Someone's like, her ears are different. Their ears are unique or something. And then someone's <laughs> like, no, those look the exact same or something. So I'm like, yeah, this is just people kind of BSing stuff. Um, I like to believe in things, though, Fair too. Enough. So Fair. maybe I won't close the book on it ever. She did make a statement and said that she is not, which... That's exactly what a clone would say. What a clone would right? say, right? So <laughs> no, you don't you don't say I'm a clone. Yeah, you don't admit it. It's against the code. Um, and there, the Melissa written on her hand is interesting, but you know what? I don't think there's enough. And like I said, like I bet you that's just where it originated. Yeah, maybe it's it's fun. Someone probably saw that and was like, <laughs> yeah, it keeps her relevant and everything too. So that was something that didn't come out that long ago, actually, about things too. But um, there's two other things I want to talk about real quick too. Um, one of the things I actually meant to mention this at the beginning of me talking, um, but there is a current or not current. There was a sitcom on CBS that aired actually and i think that avril lavigne is pretty closely tied to the character of robin sparkles on how i met your oh how i met your mother yes um so i always thought it was funny um when i was kind of looking at this like in reading i'm like robin sparkles and how i met your mother she has let's go to the mall and we'll kind of bring up some mall stuff in a little bit not to you know spoil anything maybe but um she has Let's Go to the Mall, Robin Sparkles does, and then Robin Sparkles later has, like, a, like, grunge, like, emo phase, too. Um, and I thought maybe it was pretty loosely tied to maybe whatever Levine would. They're both Canadian. They both had these kind of, like, you know, things from, like, poppy to, like, grungy or just in difference, too. So I didn't know what you guys thought about the comparison between, like, the two. That's a, I, I like that. <laughs> I, I see it now. I Like, I watched How I Met Your Mother quite a few years ago it's been a while i rewatched uh, it during quarantine yeah i rewatched it during quarantine yeah. so maybe i have it fresh in my head That's yeah I, I like uh let's go to the mall uh she's a mall rat um so is avril lavigne um the grunge part i don't necessarily remember but just off that alone it was like ps i love you or like the other like thing like yeah like sandcastles in the sand it was like angsty yeah like, i remember like saying yeah. Castles in the sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a classic you know i i i can see it um i wouldn't have drawn that without you pointing it out but um yeah you have two yeah, canadian teenage pop stars i want to say that it's definitely that they're like ever levine was this so that's what i'm gonna do but like i thought it was funny that like robin sparkles had to go to the malls around the country and sing like let's go to the mall and then like ever levine was like in bookstores and like state fairs and stuff doing like country covers so it was like maybe loosely tied one in that yeah. humble beginning yeah exactly um and the last thing too is i want to know your guys's thoughts on the legacy within pop punk with avril lavigne too so this is something that we actually really yeah. haven't covered a lot of i know we talked about it we we're gonna cover like a green day song we we're gonna cover all american rejects probably still will at some point too because it is within the whole scheme of pop it's it's part <coughs> of it um it was yeah. said on her first tour of Let Go that she actually did cover Basket Case by um, Green Day on her tour, which even from doing like Complicated and Skater Boy, that's a pretty like heavy song to actually cover on a mm -hmm. tour. Um, kind of like, you know, maybe Aerovine was like part of like the scene kids breaking out like and stuff too, like a little bit with like this in between of Millennials, Gen x and like stuff like that too so i didn't know what you thought about her legacy within pop punk as a whole 
Yeah, I mean, uh, totally. I think she was a leading founder of it um, because you think about where we are in 2002. Grunge had just ended. We're in that weird post-grunge era where, I don't know, um, emo wasn't necessarily there quite yet, but she definitely led into that. I think she was mm. kind of one of the first major pop stars to um, kind of prance around in vans and the, the whole skater look that she adopted would sweep through the country and the Western world in uh, the mid 2000s. And she was a little ahead of that. Avril Lavigne kind of brought it back to rock. And I think it was kind of a callback to the 80s. Think about the mall rat aesthetic yeah. uh, skateboards uh, that kind of went away in the 90s with grunge, but she kind of revitalized it. And we talk about, you know, emo being one phase, maybe late 2000s. She brought, she was a leading founder in that. You think about Gen Z, the sad girl, uh, e-girl aesthetic. Am I saying that right? Oh, God damn, I sound old. <laughs> e-girl. Uh, yeah, that, it, she was basically a founding mother of e-girl aesthetic. Um, mm-hmm. The hair. Think about what Billie Eilish wears, the green and black hair. She had pink hair with her blonde hair at one point. Uh, it, so two generations she kind of influenced. Um, so I, I think that can't be undiscussed. Yeah, so I completely agree. I think it was our... We talk about Fall Out Boy, right? I mean, they're pop punk too, but I feel like mm-hmm. Avril Lavigne even would have been ours before that, you know, to kind of, you know, Avril Lavigne walk so that groups like All American Rejects, Fall Out Boy, you know, Paramore, Paramore could run as well yeah. too. So yep. I was really happy we got to learn yeah. more about Avril Lavigne and learn more, you know, about everything that had to go with her too because she had a great start and she did a lot of great things too but she really was one of those people that was very influential in a way that you could see maybe even people that we know nowadays that will be influential for people to come to that's a great um you know ending point on her backstory you know she came up from country roots kind of discovered her own image and sound and it led to a lot of future uh, influence that she would have on bands in that decade and beyond. So thank you for that uh, viewpoint, Anthony. No problem. Um, now, Chris, can we say the same about the production? Was it kind of landmarky, or it was more of the same? Is it a complicated song at its core, or is it just a pop song? <laughs> no, I like that. <laughs> well, um, before I kind of give you a give you a direct answer to that i want to um i want to kind of just say i think that when thinking about the actual composition end of the song you know we mentioned the matrix the pop songwriters kind of were you know somewhat known in the country scene um had some bona fides already um in uh contemporary christian um that and that whole kind of sound especially the beginning of the um of the 2000s kind of the faith hill type situation um isn't necessarily known for pushing the envelope in terms of what a pop song could be uh musically but it is well known for making great pop and that's what this is this is a wonderful pop song dressed for the occasion um, and when I say dress for the occasion, I mean, I, I listen to it and I hear a country soft pop, 
soft rock, uh, Christian contemporary type uh, song with uh, with kind of a punky uh, drop D like guitar chord chorus. Um, so I so I did look a little bit into the Matrix. Anthony touched on them a little bit. Um, not too much about them, but they are um, they are affiliated with Arista and with uh, Christian Contemporary at the time. Um, the so I'm gonna come off a little bit less knowledgeable, I think, than I often than I often might with more electronic influence music. Um, but this just sounds like Christian rock to me. <laughs> and I, and I, I say that in a non insulting way, it just sounds clean, very like kind of sterile production. The guitars are, um, the guitars are doubled. It's, it's kind of spacious. The drums are very, very mellow. Um, nothing too grating, um, until you get to the chorus. And even that is, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of teen rebellion, so, but with, with the edges smoothed even a bit more. Um, I, I think that Avril's, um, Avril's lyrics, Avril's, uh, melodies, especially, um, kind of, kind of foreshadow where she would end up going, um, with girlfriend songs, like what the hell later down the line. And even like, um, even like not long after this with my happy ending, um, she's a, she's got the, she's got the chops for pop, um, as you would say. <laughs> it's a nice uh, rhyme. It is. I, love that. I didn't. Yeah. Verbal TM. Verbal uh, trademark. You can't take this. Trademark. I didn't quite intend it to come out that way, but it did. So, um, I think the, I think when I'm listening to the song, one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest kind of sound alikes, weirdly enough, is this, you know, is going to be more in that, um, like Faith Hill. And the first thing that came to mind for me was Cheryl Crow. <laughs> um, oh, totally. Vain, just yeah, very, um, very kind of easy listening, um, which is interesting because, you know, you're, you, you, we talk about like she comes to them and they say, let's make you a sound. She's the one who comes to the table, says punk rock. I love, you know, I love punk rock. They say, cool, let's make a hit, though. <laughs> you know, not talking <laughs> crap about punk rock. But again, we're several years before the era of Fall Out Boy and Hot Topic, etc. And punk rock being a force in and of itself, you know, like nothing, nothing with a 10 word title and drop D chords it, at like at, at like a breakneck tempo is going to be charting at this time. Totally. What, no. what would be charting is kind of the faith Hill, um, watered down, uh, country pop sort of deal. So you can almost hear them thinking to themselves. So this is, um, the song does have, uh, songwriting credits from Avril, but it also has songwriting credits from the members of the matrix. And, uh, I had read, um, Avril had basically said, Hey, um, this is kind of what I want. They said, all right, cool. Come back tomorrow. Next day they had, um, a couple of songs started. One of them became complicated. You can kind of hear them saying, okay, she wants punk pop, but we've got, uh, we've got a really nice little, uh, 
kind of sterilized pop model. What can we do here? How can we tweak this? And I think for what it is, they did so effectively. This is something mm-hmm. that's mom approved for sure, but it would appeal to kind of the mall rat type. Like, I mean, let's be honest, like part of the appeal of punk of uh, pop punk is that at its core, it's very good pop music, you know? Um, it, it addresses kind of angst, it addresses frustration, but it's good pop music. It's accessible, especially for folks who are still growing up and kind of understanding the world from a more kind of streamlined lens. Um, and I don't mean to belittle it. I mean, I think it's a very well-written song. Basically the, the lyrics, I mean, I'm not going to get too far into them, but they, you know, they, they're relatively straightforward songs that would come from a 17 year old's perspective. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's effective for what it is. I think it's, um, I think it's a very well-produced song. Um, technically, like I said, like you can, you can hear the, the studio kind of sheen on it. But one of the things that really gets me is, um, and we'll talk about this later in our top 10 back then, but this sounds nothing like what else was on the top of the charts. Now, like I said, you know, they can, there were, there were some radio hits at the time, the Cheryl Crows and Faith Hills of the world that were, you know, making it big on top 40 for adult, like adult contemporary, you know, in 2002. But in terms of number two on Billboard, one of the biggest songs of the year, the biggest female album of the year, female debut album, no less. Um, this is not at all. <laughs> the sort of song compositionally that's why i think it's really clever that the chorus the most memorable part is where they really dress it up with the you know tie over the t-shirt sort of aesthetic now chris do you think that yeah do you think though that this added to like the allure of it all though that it was different and like kind of stripped down but also not that and it was so you know, unique that it was that it played into like Avril Lavigne's hand perfectly. That they knew they had something that didn't sound like what was on the radio. Ish, yeah. I think it. I think it towed the line. And honestly, I can't tell whether to give um, the Matrix a ton of credit for being this shrewd or if it was a happy accident. It almost sounds like they were aiming for you know kind of calm radio fodder and stumbled upon something that the public had been missing for a decade. Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, it kind of harkens back to the best, um, you know, later Nirvana songs. Um, I I was listening to it and I was thinking all apologies for some reason. Mm -hmm. They're not similar at all. Compositionally, Uh, I think of come as you are oddly. Uh, Yeah. Come as you are. I could see as well. Lyrically but not compositionally, but yeah, yeah, I totally get where you're going with, well, with the and Nirvana comparison. Actually, even, even uh, come as you are, is kind of good in terms of compositionally because both of them are using kind of an ambiguous major minor situation. So in terms of chords, this is literally just like a four chord um, <clears throat> F major D minor uh, situation, but technically the melody is major the chord progression does start on the minor. And so not to like dive deep in music theory into things, but every, every chord has a relative major or minor. 
if you if you depending on which one on which chord you start with that kind of dictates the mood and when you have two conflicting um you have a major melody and a minor chord progression that all use the same shared notes it creates kind of a weird dissonance nirvana was great with that yeah. um green day is great with that honestly the the entire canon of grunge to um to punk to pop punk has has been fantastic with that over the years um and i think this one's this one kind of hits it right down the middle it's not too safe you know it it does kind of catch you off guard when the chorus drops in um but that pre-chorus um kind of builds momentum like um you're trying to be cool you look like a fool to me tell me and then it I don't know if it's like a almost like a drop of silence. There's some sort of momentum building. It is, a, yeah. The they, chord. yeah, they cut the they cut the instrumental except for kind of a whole a held guitar line, which is which is in a way kind of a classic like punk um, technique. It's just it usually happens at a much higher BPM, so it's less of a um, it, it is less of a momentum shift. Uh, it's it's almost like a. Yeah, here it's almost used in a more, you know, contemporary pop sort of way, as opposed to in punk. It's it's emphasizing the first phrase of the chorus. Um, I I mean, yeah, in a lot of ways, it's kind of doing what had been done before, but in a very deceptively uh, great way, really. Yeah. Um, I, again, like I don't want to come off as belittling it because this is a really well crafted pop song. Um, I think it's also, it, you know, it's important to think about where she was headed, um, whether or not at the time she had those sorts of ambitions or if she kind of grew up, realized what components of the song she was making, she really gravitated towards. Um, I mean, you listen to something like Girlfriend or What the Hell and underneath the Gwen Stefani kind of claps and uh you know, Max Martin, um, drums and whatnot. Like you still have her, um, her understanding of what's going to make a pop song with a bit of edge and not too much edge. Not, uh, we're not talking like American idiot where it's a punk song masquerading as a pop song. We're not talking about, uh, even like the mid two thousands emo era, um, where that's kind of its own, um, its own segment. Uh, we're talking about, you know, this is a line drive down the middle of what's both what's going to be radio friendly and really attract uh, kids her age who are looking for something to kind of voice their thoughts uh, in a way they maybe hadn't thought of before. And I don't know, maybe teach them a little bit about the kind of music they like on the way. So, so overall, you think it's a well constructed pop song, but done in a safe manner. I'd say so. Um, yeah. Done in a safe manner, but in a man- but not so safe that it doesn't work for what they're going for for the slight edge that um, that I think really kind of kind of made it the magic formula. Yeah, and at the time there wasn't a lot that existed like it. Like you said, Sheryl Crow and Faith Crow were maybe Faith Hill, excuse me, uh, were probably the closest uh, contemporaries to this song. But because it was kind of crafting this new sound, you just needed a slight edge. Oh yeah, and the reason I and the reason I said like I feel like it touched on something that they that even the writers possibly didn't realize was so sorely missed, um, like that Nirvana kind of magic. 
Um, I I think I. I, I can't wait to talk about this top 10 because this has nothing to do with any of the rest of the songs in there. Like, clearly we were waiting for something along these lines. Um, and this made it. See, you know what really I started thinking about when you even said that, Chris, was it, I actually looked them up and they're a Canadian band too. And the band Simple Plan was like kind of like around the, they're yeah. pop punk too. And like the song, shut up, shut up, shut up. Yeah. Well that and the, the song, I'm just a kid. Remember that song? Mm, like, classic. like you said, like oh, yeah, we needed and we needed a, a song that, you know, was for like people their age. And you're like, mm. I mean, I remember when we listened to, I'm just a kid and you're like, I am just kidding. Life is a nightmare. And then you like grow up and you and we're like, yeah. And then, but now we're like, wow, you know, I'm 26 years old and I'm in coronavirus and life is a nightmare now for real. So, <laughs> so like, you, you and you know, you don't realize how good you had it, but you know, like you said, like they were waiting for something. So there were people, you know, after her, even around the same time that were doing this type of thing. And she just kind of hit it, you know, first and for good reason. Yeah, for sure. I yeah, I forgot about Simple Plan, but that was like that might have been two thousand two as well. I know the anthem uh, was o three o four. Well, Good Charlotte, yeah, Good Charlotte yeah. is is yeah. the anthem. And yeah, that's that's great song forty one. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, even some of the Blink one eighty two hits like that exactly. whole era, I, I think was like she's not the only person doing this, but this was one of the biggest pop smashes yeah this was the one that went number two i'm just a kid yeah. uh, in a time where i'm just was. a kid was also february of 2002 too so also went platinum yeah, so go. yeah but i mean this beat it out for sure more so so there you have it yeah chris gave us a great breakdown about how if you want to carve out um you want to become the leader in the new sound maybe she wasn't the first to do it or the only one to start at the same time but uh, complicated rose to number two, um, while all those other sounds from those bands we just mentioned did not. So that was the formula to do it. Play it kind of safe, but with a slight edge. I like how Chris put that. So we learned about the backstory. We learned about the production, The Matrix, Avril Lavigne. And now we're going to go into the lyrics, which I think uh, if you want to appeal to teenagers, that is the way to do it. Um, so I'll just kick it off. I think this song really knocks it out of the park. Uh, we'd like to talk about towing the line between being too personal and um, where no one understands what you're saying, but then just making it vague enough where it can apply to any situation. And complicated is that space in the middle where it doesn't even have to be a lover. I think it's intended to be a lover, but this could be about a friend. And um, we'll dive into it line by line, verse by verse. But basically the song is about somebody who is changing and a person who is close to them at the time um, is starting to lose track of the person that they bonded with, whether that was friendship or with love. And uh, that causes a lot of disarray, and I think every teenager goes through it. So if somebody who's 16 is writing this, uh, that's going to appeal to a lot of 16-year-olds and go to number two. So we'll dive into the intro, which I think is really, really memorable, and maybe not for good reason. Uh, the intro goes... Uh-huh, life's like this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's the way it is. Because life's like this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's the way it is. 
Uh huh. Yeah, that's that. We let's count one, two, three, four, five. Five uh huhs. That was beautiful. And all the rest of the words, Riveting. they're just saying it is what it is. It is. I mean, I remember that because that's how the song starts. But yeah. you could just say it is what it is and get on with it. Yeah. But the production <laughs> carries it at this point. True. Yeah. You get that guitar. It, it's, it sets the mood. The wailing. Wow. Glitchy drums and whatnot. Like it's slightly evanescency. Yeah. Exactly. And the lyrics, not special at this point. It's going to get better, folks. But yeah, that mood is really defined by the production <laughs> because all she's saying is, uh huh, and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's get on. The intro. Yuck. So we get that amazing intro that says nothing. And then verse one really starts out with a a teenage slang chill out what you yelling for lay back it's all been done before yeah you're right avril it has been done before and you're going to tell us more about it um more teenage imagery i like you the way you are when we're driving in your car and you're talking to me one-on-one so we get there's obviously a close relationship they spend a lot of time together but what's about to go down avril's going to tell us more but you become, and then we get into this pre-chorus, uh, which we touched on, kind of builds momentum. Somebody else, around everyone else, you're watching your back like you can't relax. You're trying to be cool. You look like a fool to me. Tell me, and she screams it. And then we get that little kind of drop in the production, and then we get to the really iconic chorus. Why'd you have to go and make things so complicated? I see the way you're acting like somebody else gets me frustrated. Okay, we rhymed complicated with frustrated. This makes sense to this point. But then, I don't know if you guys remember the lyrics after this. It kind of confused me. She says, Life's like this, comma, you. And you fall, and you crawl, and you break, and you take what you get, and you turn it into honesty. That, that, That doesn't really make sense to me. Life's like this, you. I, that's not a sentence I, I think that well first even before i thought it was you look like a fool to me and then she said to me again so um that's fun that that's different but yeah it might be the canadian accent know, coming but play. yeah life's like this you yeah. <laughs> i never thought about that really but it makes sense that you fall and you crawl and you break um because like yeah you're a baby right and you crawl and you fall yep and you break many things i've broken many things in my life hearts <laughs> dishes bones many things <laughs> i hope they were your own bones i yes. you were breaking other they're my bones. own they're my own <laughs> <laughs> well you're right um that part you fall you crawl and you break it's kind of like storytelling you, they're young in their life they're teenagers so you're gonna go through all this you know adversity and that's what turns you into what you are. What she's getting at is uh, you're going to become who you are naturally. You don't have to go and make this complicated and just try to change your image as is. Um, but to kick that off with likes like this you, it doesn't make sense. But I think that's what makes great songwriting because you want a certain amount of syllables in there that kind of tease it off to a point. Um, if you read for it on paper, it doesn't make sense. But in the song, it makes complete sense. Uh, we don't think about that until we read it on paper. Uh, go ahead, if you're listening to this, look up the lyrics. One of the lines is, life like this, you. That doesn't make sense, but the next part totally does. 
They could have put ooh, like life's like this, ooh, or like something like that. That would have been better. Yeah, instead they tee it off with you, and then and then they go on and how how you're gonna fall and break. Very and awkward thing to read out. Like I love like it. It makes much more sense when she's singing it, but like when you read it out, you're like, huh. Exactly. <laughs> like I didn't think about it uh, in 18 years until I read it out on paper. And it, but that's what makes good songwriting songwriting. Maybe it's not always grammatically correct. Um, you just need to fit a certain amount of syllables into a line. Let's get Carl back so, on and ask him. I'll ask. Yeah, him. Carl would know. Yeah, Carl, Carl if you're listening, we'll call you back. Hit us up. So we get that very memorable chorus. Um, the crawling, the breaking, the taking. It's a teenage angst chorus. Um, but we have other verses to cover. Um, so verse two, I really like this one. Um, you come over unannounced, dressed up like you're something else. Where you're at and where it's at, you see, you're making me laugh out loud when you strike your pose. Take off all your preppy clothes. And um, that preppy clothes... It's basically the antithesis of what her aesthetic is. She's like wearing vans and um, eyeliner and weird tank tops, stuff that, you know, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera were not wearing at the time. So this kind of plays to her aesthetic, but also plays that narrative of you're dressing up like you're not authentic. I always thought it was dressed up like you're someone else. And then I something else. I thought it was. When I first heard it, like take off all your precious clothes, <laughs> not preppy. But but then I I did know later that it was preppy. But when I was younger, I thought it was take off all your precious clothes. <laughs> and that's how we knew that Anthony was not in <laughs> <laughs> Ding 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 ding. Yeah, so uh, it was not precious. It wasn't some item you needed to get off right away. It was preppy. She was trying to say. You know, you're not fooling anyone. You're this, not cool. Yeah, you're this not image that you're portraying, I see through it. And you read all these lyrics, and we think about it romantically, but this could be a best friend talking to a best friend who's trying to fit into a different clique. And I think that's what teenagers resonated with. Like, we've all had that period in high school, middle school, where, you know, maybe this friend group, we wanted to aspire to be with them, or we saw a friend try to fit in with a different area, a uh, different clique that we were in. Um, so it's very applicable here. And that line, while it's very superficial about clothes, I think is really relatable. Yeah. So then we get another pre-chorus, another chorus about complicated. We're falling, we're calling, we're breaking. I promise you we're never going to fake it. And then we get the bridge. No, 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 no. You could really dab to that if you do it in the right. You um, could. Yeah. It's kind of got a groove. And then we get another pre-chorus and a chorus. So it's a really repetitious song, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. Really nothing special going out with, you know, the structure of the songwriting. I think it's how she, um, you know, makes the lyrics vague but yet applicable that if you're 16, you know exactly what she's talking about. Um, We just get another pre-chorus and chorus repeat after that. And that's what people remember about the song. They remember about... Why'd you have to make it so complicated? But the songwriting's not too complicated. Nope. It's beautiful. It is. It's it. You, the woe is the song. It's the term that I describe this song. W O E. A lot of woe. 
All right, so we just touched on the lyrics, we touched on the production, and we touched about how Avril Lavigne became Avril Lavigne. Uh, we have a few segments coming your way. First off is we are going to watch the music video collectively as a group, respond to it kind of right. in real time. So um, we implore you, maybe watch the music video, take a pause, go on YouTube, watch it, and then you can kind of react to our reactions after watching that in your brain. Um, the unfortunate... Um, limitation with podcasts or radio is it's not a visual medium so it would be nice if you knew what we were talking about so go ahead and do that uh boys let's or don't just trust us or don't actually watch it. yeah or don't and just yeah listen to us yeah, do like, it because yeah, that's fucking listen, hilarious yeah and then just be utterly surprised when we say what the hell is going on like uh, <laughs> do do what you want do what you it's want. your body it's your ears i'm not going to tell you what to do even though i just did so uh yeah let's pull up this video and uh Get ready to watch us react. All right, so let's get into it. I'm about to press play on this video, Complicated. It, on YouTube, it has, in parentheses, official video, so you don't get confused. So I'm about to hit press play. Here we go. So we start out Avril Lavigne. She's skating. She says, sup, boys. And there's these mall rats in a parking lot. And uh, if you she look... She says you want to crush the mall. You want, nice. you want to crush them all. Yeah, like, let's yeah. go crush... Sounds about right. Free samples. Uh, yeah, I've... At the hot yeah. dog place. That's that's what you go to the mall for. Yeah, you don't go to the mall to buy things. You go to the mall and to And now loiter. the band's playing in the parking lot of the mall, I assume. These people... Yeah, and these boys she's with, they just look like Billy Joel they Armstrong Carter. Skater boy, oh. This guy looks like Aaron Carter. <laughs> he does. The Frosted <laughs> Tips. Yeah. I'm okay. at the part with the guitar solo. She's singing La La. Yep. There's a hot dog bun, and he's running. Uh, oh, struggling and now, to she's, get up. now she's doing. She's fishing in men. Oh, oh. <laughs> that looks painful. <laughs> oh, and then they've mined it. You're like, yep, it's painful. She's dressed like mm -hmm. a, a, an e girl. She is. She has the tie on. Does she have the leg warmers on? She had the arm warmer. She has arm warmers. I'm not sure about the leg warmers. Now they're trying on bling. All right. They're skating in the parking lot, singing. These are her bandmates that were chosen for her, remember, too. But she looks like she's having yeah. a good time with them. She's not bitter yeah, about she it. Does. She's chilling. Yeah. She's chilling. Oh, she just did a front flip. <laughs> that was like, like some dunk. cheesy 2000 uh, CGI. It's kind of like, yeah. Out of, like Mike. Very much like Mike. They pulled that off. All right, she's hitting the and second then she verse. Lines it. And they're trying on clothes. She's wearing like that, like weird necktie that's not a necktie. Yes, very. Oh, Billy she literally she tells them to take off their clothes, their preppy clothes. Uh, okay. It's very very topical. very uh, explicit tie-in with the lyrics. Oh, she's hiding in the clothes. Oh. <laughs> She scared the Karen. Imagine the if you were a mall cop and you saw the oh, and now we get the mall oh, cops. Speak now they of are the devil. Mall cops. There they they are. Chase They're chasing it. The I would do the same thing. They're debaucherous. It's like Paul Blart. That guy's like, eh. Yeah, the, this uh, security guard is not doing his job. Oh, now they are. He didn't care. All right. She's singing the chorus again. Fall and you crawl and you break and you take and you twit and you turn it into. And then we get a lot of close-ups of the face. If this was the 90s, we'd get that close-up of the face, but it would be off the ground looking up. Now we're in 2002, and it's straight on. If you look at any oh, video from the Oh, she's skating 90s, now. 
We've progressed. We have. Oh, and she's trying on deodorant. Didn't she have a song called Skater Girl later? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Never mind. Fuck me, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, she in the lyrics to Skater Boy, she is the skater girl. Yeah. Oh. Somebody else. Like Look at those little else. synth flourishes. Yeah, they do have a lot of like face like close-ups. close-ups. Yes, very into that. Oh, she broke the guitar. That's very emo. That's very rock. Wow. Why would you break that? It's a nice guitar. It is. All right. They're still playing in the parking lot, I assume. They're driving. She looks I pretty like the happy. Like, zoom in. She looks pretty happy in this music video, honestly. For it being yeah, there's no. Just, that's why the song it, it is romantic in nature. But if you look at the video, they're having fun as friends, and uh, yeah, she is literally just vibing. Yeah, they're crushing at the mall or crushing the mall. Remember going to the mall? Wow. Vaguely. <laughs> Vaguely. Four months ago. <laughs> I've been in the mall in years. <laughs> when, when was the last time y'all went to the mall? Before Corona. Yeah, a while ago. Well, yeah, obviously, but even before that, it's been a while. I would go sometimes. Oh, well, it ends. And then that it ends. That was a very abrupt ending. Um, overall, one more she's face She's just staring up. at you, and I don't like that. Yeah, overall, that was a song. Um, I think that was more of an advertisement <laughs> for your local mall more than an actual music video. Um, yeah, you know, it right. kind of reminded me of the mall from... Stranger Things in the latest season. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. Little Just bit, maybe yeah. aged 10 or 15 years after the fact. Yeah. Um, do you still maybe, have... maybe it was the same one. Could have been. Yeah, they... Maybe they just have, like, an empty mall. Maybe it was the mall that years. Robin Sparkles did her shoot into. That'd be meta. Could have been. Could have been. Robin Sparkles was known to go to malls, so... <laughs> she was. Once in a while. <laughs> These are facts. Well, there you have it. Where did you guys rank that in our top or like music videos we've broken down? Not, not. I've only done three. It's better than um, Party Like a Rockstar. Oh, get the hell out of here! (laughs) I think I don't. I don't think either of them. (laughs) Can we agree? Glamorous is the best one so far. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Carlton's in it. It has to be. Yeah, Carlton. Yeah, if you have Carlton. yeah. You knocked out had we had we done uh had we done um uh hey yeah uh, i think that oh, would have been yes. by far the best but we did not so bad romance music video um, is actually really great too um as an iconic but, video yeah some of these videos are too good to just have three guys just comment on so we, well we let us know if you guys. like it or not too like we, we we're down to break them down if you want them if you want more yeah. music video breakdowns, uh, whether you play it before, or after, or you don't even bring up the music video and you just hear us react to something you can't see, we're down for it. Yeah. So always fun. Yeah, there we go. There's our third music video breakdown. Complicated. They're in a mall. Not too much complicated with that. So we're about to go to our signature segment. Drum roll, please. The top ten back then. The top ten back then. So, Chris, I'm going to pass it off to you. What week are we in? I think it's 2002, right? That's right. Uh, we are in August of 2002. Uh, August 2nd, actually. So, we are almost 18 years to the day after this top ten comes out. Um, 
And I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. I This is the least amount of songs that I know of a top uh, ten. That's not reassuring because if you don't know a lot of them, I'm not going to know this a is lot. Gonna be, this is going to be fun. So, you nor- so full candor, normally I have the Wikipedia pages open for each of these songs. But most of these I don't even know. We're so shooting we're from the just hip. Gonna, oh, we're going to shoot from geez. the hip here. Let's see how many of these we know. Starting with number ten. Ready for this? I'm gonna be all right by Jennifer Lopez featuring Nas. I mean, the artists uh, ring a bell. The song does not. Yeah, I know the artists, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess we're post. I'm real. Maybe that was over. We're before nah, Jenny from because that was Jenny from the Block, right? We're before that. No, but Jenny from the Block was the '90s. I thought. Shit. I don't know. We're, none of us are J-Lo stands for sure, but um, but I don't know this song. I have never heard of this song. Have you all? No. Absolutely not. Oh, for all one. Right. Well, it it's at its peak at number 10. Um, So, number nine, I feel kind of sad because I do like Cameron, but I don't know Oh Boy by Cameron featuring Jules Santana. Again, I'm aware of the artist, uh, not aware of the song, so I'm going to say I'm over for two yeah. at this point. Yeah, what about you, Anthony? I don't know. I'm going to try to listen to some of these while you're throwing them off, and I'm going to let you know if I do know this or not. But that one doesn't sound familiar. I mean, yeah, really. that's, that's always possible. Like I, like, I feel like there might be one or two of these where I've heard it in passing, but I just didn't know that that's what it was. But uh, as it So is, that song sounded familiar a little bit when I just heard a little about it. It, it has a good beat, and it has the like, ah, 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 da-da-da-da-da. Like in the, the like beat, so you might recognize it if you heard it. Actually, you know, maybe. Um, well, I mean, I like Cameron. So, does he say nope in it? Yes. Nope. Okay. Um. So number eight, this one, I don't really know what to make of. Uh, this is "Down for You" by Irv Gotti presents the Ink, featuring Ja Rule, Ashanti, Charlie Baltimore, and Vita. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, know. I don't really know what to make of that. Um, so what? it's clearly a super wait, group. Wait, so on YouTube, when I looked it up, the first hit on what I just Google it, it only has 12,142 views, but it was uploaded on January 4th, 2018. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, you know, this is definitely pre YouTube era, so I don't. Jeez, I have no idea. I mean, Irv Gotti, I vaguely am, you know, aware of. I, I obviously know Joe yep. Rule and Ashanti. There's two I recognize. Um, There's a lot of names in there. Charlie Baltimore and Vita. That sounds like a Jimmy John Vita. It does sound like a Jimmy John's. Yeah, it is spelled that way. Um, so this is <laughs> down from its peak at number seven uh, the week before. I Shit, I'm 0 for 3. Yeah, I don't know that one or this next song, which I'm going to hope is a Bismarcky cover. Just a Friend 2002 by Mario. Mario? Like, Let Me Love You, Mario? Yeah, like that Mario. Icebox Mario? Is that? No, that's a Mario. Mario. Oh, shit. My bad. Yep. Nope. See, clearly y'all... Wait, wait. So when I look this up, it says Mario, Just a Friend 2002, and then in parentheses, Nickelodeon video version. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> Maybe it was the kid-friendly I mean, version of Just a Friend. Um, okay, this is definitely not... Nope, this is definitely not a cover. 
No, it is. It is. The second, like after the first chorus, there's a sample. You guys, I have bad news. Got what I need. Ms. Markey has been hospitalized for weeks due to diabetes. Biz. Fuck. Well, I hope I hope Biz Markey is okay. He's an icon. Yeah, he's fifty six. Um, so still has a, a lot May he of pull years through. to give us. He does. We we love Biz Markey. Um, damn. Okay. We are well, sucking this... so far. At this. Yeah. Over four. But we're yeah. also eight. <laughs> Right? Yeah, we're we're over four. Yeah, no, we are eight, but still, this is not going. Well I don't know so if I should have been listening to some of these songs at eight. So, yeah, that's also true. Um, I am going to say though that we all know this next song. This is the first one that I know for sure. We all know it's "Without You" by Eminem. Oh yeah, yeah. Or without me, without me. Sorry, I knew you. Um, okay, actually, I can't even get the name. Now that I say that. Now that I just say that we should know none of these songs at the age of eight, I knew this song at the age of eight. So yeah, we absolutely should not have known <laughs> this one. We this one more than anything else before we should not have known, but we did. <laughs> Actually, one of my favorite Eminem songs of all time. Yeah, great yeah, video. A, a lot of pop culture uh, references to you know artists at the time. So um, if you're, gonna- I love when he says, "Little aliens could feel rebellious. Their parents still listen to Elvis." That's a great line. I like um I like the part where he predicted that Moby could get stomped by him. <laughs> <laughs> he had beef. <laughs> Years before Moby Moby embarrassed himself repeatedly and got face tattoos. Yeah, he did not like Moby at all. Um yeah, he had some choice words in this song. Obviously, yeah. it was two thousand two, but you get stomped by Obi. But uh yes, that the Moby, Moby line is very funny no looking back at it. Yeah, that song is iconic. Um, definitely still plays in the clubs. It's on its way down from its number two peak. Um, and which, yeah. which actually back then, like I remember my mom, like back in the day was like, you will never listen to Eminem as long as you live in this house because of just what he would say and how he treated his own mother in songs and stuff. And then I'm like, he did, um, he did have a song about his mom. And I'm like, you know what? I love the song My Band by Eminem and D12, so I'm going to listen to this. Good song. <laughs> so, this next song, um, I'm going to preface by, we already talked about him in this episode, but I don't know this song. And this isn't with his band, so I'm a little confused. Um, this is Hero by Chad Kroger featuring Josie Scott. So it's, let's take a pause. It's ironic that just Avril Lavigne and Chad yeah. Kroger are in the same top 10 years before they would get married. Yeah. But Chad Kroger, now the second point, Chad Kroger had a music career that wasn't Nickelback. I guess. Um, I don't know when this, I, I don't know what the deal, I, I think we're before Nickelback. Maybe. Okay, this song sucks. I'm sorry. This is not good. I'm listening to it right now. Well, it's, it's Chad Kroger. I don't know what you expected. It, it it literally sounds like Nick the lead singer from Nickelback and um yes. and then the lead singer of um oh shit. Uh of sorry, Chris Daughtry just went in the studio and then both play recorded at the same time and then they like oh, fucked no. it up. Yeah. So you had a That's punk it rock like. explosion. <laughs> Oh God, this is so so bad. Like some of the lyrics is I'm so high I can hear heaven. I am so high I can hear heaven. Oh, but heaven, no heaven, that don't hear me. Sense. I'm like, what? 
Yeah, this is not good. Christ. <laughs> so are we are we one for six? We know without me. And... So we are one for okay. six. Wait, underneath it, Avril Lavigne no, has a song yeah, called for... "Let Me Go" with Chad Kroger six years ago. Really? Oh. Yeah, they collaborated. Well, that's 182 million that doesn't views. Sound good. Oh. I I'm sure that's not good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> God, Chad Kroger, what the hell? Okay, so this is definitely now. That I remember. Nickelback did have an album before How You Remind Me, and that was this year. So this is just Chad Kroger being like, let me take an interlude and just shit it up on my own uh, <laughs> elsewhere. Um, so inexplicably, this actually peaked at number three. It's on its <laughs> way down. way down. Oh, my God. Uh, so, uh, all right. Oh. So one for six. <laughs> um, I don't know this one. <laughs> oh, no. um, again, again, we have uh, we have names that I know. But but let me let me say this. Let me say this. This is the last song that I don't know on the chart. It's comforting. So yeah, yeah. Um one of them is is so, is, is complicated uh, though. So, so. Yeah. So we've got I Need a Girl Part Two by P. Diddy and Genuine featuring Loon, Mario Winans, and Tammy Ruger. You lost me when it was part two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wait. The fact that there is two. a part one of this song. I didn't know it, yeah. So I, I heard Diddy so, and I heard Genuine. Who was the, the th- Loon? <laughs> um, yeah, and Mario like Winans? Mario Winans. And Tammy Ruggieri. Uh, <laughs> I need a girl part two. We'll chalk right, that up I'm to listening a little bit. The beat is pretty good. There is good. a part one. Um, it's a sequel that was, the single was released a few months prior. I actually looked up the Wikipedia just because I'm really confused. Um, Tammy Ruggieri does not have a Wikipedia page. Everyone else does. Um, this is from the album We Invented the Remix, which I don't think is true. Um, <laughs> and this peaked at number four. So this is at its peak this week as well. The beat is pretty good, <laughs> honestly, but yeah, I don't think I would ever listen to this. Song. How long was this oh, on the chart? Oh, how long? It couldn't I, have been long. Uh, let's see. Part two. Well, I wonder what part one sounds Nine like. Nine weeks. That, that, that explains weeks. why we might not remember it. That is short. That's pretty good. That's two months. Yeah. Um. So, uh, here's my here's the here's the last fact from the Wikipedia page. Um. Tiger recorded a part three to the song on his 2018 album. <laughs> Tiger remembers it. <laughs> Tiger loves it. Wait, I don't. I don't even know. What wait, to make the, of that. the original part one more successful. Yeah, wait, the original Usher featuring Diddy. I need a girl. Part one. What? The well, <laughs> Usher was huge. So um... part okay. Part one peaked at number two. This was number four. So both were hits. And none of us oh remember part God. one or two. This. This Let alone part three. Jesus. I love it. I love it. All right. All right. So <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know what to make of that. Um. So the so that's six songs out of the top ten that I have never heard. <laughs> so thankfully, we're we at number three. We have a song that I love. Dilemma by Nelly and Kelly oh, Rowland. Finally, we're in the promised wait, land. The the this is where she is texting him oh. on the. Uh, on Excel, on the Excel spreadsheet, on, on, on the yeah, Excel spreadsheets, yeah. and then she's and then she's like in the window and like, why is he texting me back? And she's in Excel on her site. Was, wasn't it like, Excel, where are you? And then like Excel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what I do, 
Great song, though. Oh, this is a beautiful so classic song by Nelly. Maybe we'll come yeah. back to this. We're, yeah, I'm sure we will. We're in full Nelly swing right now. I'm pretty sure this was number one, but it's on its way up. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this was this was number one. This is only its fourth week on the chart of 38. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it was big. Well, when he did his versus battle with uh, Ludacris, like I remember like when yeah, this one went off. When he played this, everyone was just like, oh, yes. And, like, they were waiting. And, yeah. Nelly in his own right. We, we will have to do an, you know, an episode Nelly on Nelly one episode. one day. Um, we're trying yeah. to diversify a little bit here, of course. But, yeah, Nelly yeah. is it, too many hits to count. Too many hits to count. And, in fact, so complicated is at number two. But guess what number one is? That's right. It's fucking Nelly. We got hot in here. <laughs> yes. Well, wow, what a great segue. So, so yeah, the so the top so the top three kind of redeemed this top ten. Um, but yeah, hot in here is number one. Um, part of it's ten weeks at number one. Um, let me let me see how long it was actually on the chart. I want to say it was there a while. But obviously, this and Dilemma were the big big hits. Uh, from the album, um, the, yeah, the lyrics we all, we all love hot. The in lyrics here. with hot and hair, just the way he starts it, where he goes, "Good gracious, ass is bodacious." Like you're like this. Yeah. He could say gibberish the rest of the time, and it could it would be a hit. Like just he, with that, he taught a lot of elementary school age children about the the word bodacious. He introduced that. We talk so about our rocks these days, so, and when they would play hot in here. Yeah. I'm like I want to take off my clothes in here. <laughs> so here's what's here's a here's a fun fact. And I well do. actually, <laughs> which do you think is higher on the all time charts, Dilemma or Hot in Here? I would say Dilemma's higher. I would have said Hot in Here, but now I think it's a trick question. So I'm gonna go with Dilemma. I mean, I don't think it's a trick question. I think it's pretty clearly it's Dilemma. <laughs> I would have I would have said if you came up to me without that preface, like without doing this yeah, without, this top ten back dilemma. then. Yeah, I would have said, Oh yeah, hot in here. But Yeah, I guess that's true. So Kel so Dilemma was eighty three on the Hot One Hundred songs of all time. Uh Hot in Here was one eighty four. Eighty three all time? Holy that's right. shit. That's right. That's amazing. But no songs number three and four of the year. And uh, Hot in Here was 36 of the decade. And Dilemma was 11 of the decade. Wow. It is great. Oh. And what about what was complicated on the decade in year end? That's a good call. The song that we were just, that we did this fucking episode on. Hold on one sec. We got excited um, about Nelly. Sorry. We Yeah, th- we definitely need to do a Nelly episode. So complicated was eleven on the year end charts and eighty three on decade hmm. end. Didn't quite make the all time charts. It sounds about right. So pretty yeah. Good. Yeah. Nothing to nothing to sniff at. Well, there you have it. There is our um top ten back then. We're sorry we were eight years old, um, when the majority of these songs came I, out. I that I may that be the least amount of songs I ever know in a top Hopefully, ten. if that we was... do even earlier, I don't know. It'll get a little dicey, but we'll see. Six, six songs. Jesus. 
I mean, I need to listen to both. I need a girls now. Yeah, all, all three. three. All yeah, three. Tyga. Don't sleep on Actually, Tyga. don't listen to the Tyga version. Don't Just sleep listen on Tyga. to Tyga. Well, folks, thank you for listening to our podcast about Complicated. We hope we did the song justice and kind of explained why it popped. So once again, that wraps it up uh, for this episode of Over My Head. A look back at Pops Past, brought to you by us, most lovely boys. If you want to hear our episodes as they drop, please subscribe, download, and listen wherever you may listen to your podcast. Most. Apple, Spotify, Deezer, I don't care. Just listen to us. If you want to add your input, what segments do you like? What segments do you want to propose? Um, whether it's about this song or you know our podcast in general, please give us some feedback. You can email us at LLC at gmail.com. You can also find us on some social media to get the latest behind-the-scene action. We're pretty active on Instagram. We have a Twitter that probably needs some revitalization, uh, but we'll get on that. So for my host, my co-host, Anthony and Chris, we hope we weren't too far in over our heads on this one. We'll see you next time, next week.